Welcome to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Over the next hour, you're going to learn how to lead more efficiently and effectively in a post-pandemic world where the workplace has changed dramatically. Now, here's Monique. Hi there. Welcome, welcome. I'm your host, Monique. Thanks for joining me today. For those of you who are new to the show, this is where we talk about and implement tips, tools, and strategies that focus on leadership, how to be a better leader. Today, we'll be focusing on the types of one-to-ones you need to have with your direct reports. Now, I know that leaders have a lot on their plates right now. And because of that, one-to-ones seem to fall through the cracks. So we'll be discussing the different types of one-to-ones, the length and cadence of those meetings, and how to craft the actual conversations. I think a lot of leaders get confused about what exactly one-to-ones are and what should be discussed there and who should be owning the content. Now, some leaders think they already are devoting quality time to their direct reports. If that's you, keep listening as we define these critical conversations. Then you'll be able to determine for yourself if there is room for improvement. You'll be looking at this topic through the eyes of three different clients and how they shifted their mindset about one-to-ones. So for those of you who have heard my solo shows before, you know that I bring a lot of case studies into these episodes so that you can hear how actual clients implemented some of these techniques. So I'll be doing the same thing today, only with three different case studies. We'll also be taking questions from listeners throughout the show, and you can email those to me at monique at mdconsultingglobal.com. Now, if managers are having one-to-ones, what they're telling me is that their people are not participating in those meetings. There's a lot of silence in the meetings on the part of their direct reports, or it's more of a status update, kind of a business meeting where the status of, of projects are being discussed. And really, the manager ends up owning the agenda or doing all the talking. So it ends up being more work for the manager. And that's why managers are getting really frustrated because they already have a lot on their plate. And now they have to book these one-to-ones and they have to prep for them and come up with content and really drive the meeting and drive the conversations. So it's frustrating for them and it's way too much work. So many of them are not doing it at all. And if they are doing it, they don't really know what the cadence should be or the length of the meetings. So that gets confusing. Or what they tell me is that they touch base on a daily basis informally with their direct reports. So why bother with formal one-to-ones when they can do this daily? Either if everyone's in the office, they kind of pass by everyone's desk and chat with them, or they do it online in other meetings, or they tell me that they're having team meetings and that that's enough of a touch base with their direct reports. 
Now, the impact of this is that the direct report does not have any one-to-one time with their manager. They feel they don't have a safe space to address their challenges. No feedback is being given to them on a regular basis. They're not having career conversations with their managers. So the direct report feels like they there's just not enough attention being paid to them by their manager. And this is showing up in the feedback to the manager or on the manager's 360s or in the manager's performance evaluation. That's why I decided to address this topic today because it's coming up a lot in coaching, in the coaching sessions that I do. Now, what you want, ideally, are three types of productive, effective one-to-ones. And those are routine one-to-ones, feedback one-to-ones, and career conversations. These are three different types held at different times. So before I delve into those three types, let me just address something that I hear all the time from managers. They don't conduct their one-to-ones because they don't have time. And as a manager, it's your responsibility to make time. Usually, I find out that if a manager is saying they don't have time, it's for a couple of reasons. They aren't delegating enough, so they have too much on their plate that shouldn't be there. Or they lack good time management skills. So they can't devote time to develop their people because their time is being spent on other things or it's not effective enough. It's not being scheduled and planned like they should be planning it. So if you are a manager that is having trouble with these things, with not delegating enough or not having good, efficient time management skills, this is a separate problem that you need to address. And I have a lot of content out there on my website and on my YouTube channel about time management, about delegating. We've done several episodes on this show for uh, the topic of delegating. Solo shows that I've done and guests that I've had who have also talked about delegating. So I really encourage you, if you're not working with a coach, please grab some of my content so that you can start educating yourself on how to develop these skills. Because the more time that you can free up from these mundane tasks that you shouldn't be doing, the more time you'll have to devote to developing your people and having one-to-ones with them. Okay, let's talk about how to distinguish the three types of one-to-ones. So the first type is called the routine one-to-one. Now, This is not a feedback conversation, and it's not a career conversation. Those would be the other two types of one-to-ones. This type of one-to-one, the employee or your direct report owns 100% of that meeting. And in a moment, we will go into this with a case study on my client, David. Now, this particular type of meeting is for the employee or the direct report to bring their challenges, their wins, their insights 
to this meeting to talk to their manager about it. And this is not a meeting for business updates. That should be handled differently. That should be handled either in a team meeting or there should be some kind of a a different updating system. Maybe some managers have their team update a shared Google Doc with updates and only bring major issues to the table. But routine updates should not happen in the routine one-to-one. All right, so the employee will own 100% of that meeting. There's the feedback conversation or the feedback one-to-one. This, the manager owns 100% of the content in this meeting. This is for the manager to give feedback, either positive feedback or constructive feedback. And it should be immediate, as immediate as possible. Now, again, I've done a number of solo shows about feedback and how to give feedback the proper way. But today, you'll hear a case study about my client, Shelly, and how she conducted her feedback meeting with her direct report. The third type of one-to-one is a career conversation or a career one-to-one. Now, in this type of one-to-one, it's with the employee and the manager. The employee owns 80% of the content here, and the manager owns 20%. So this is an 80-20 split. And in this type of one-to-one, the only topic being talked about is the employee's career, career goals, career aspirations, progress on their career goals, anything like that. And you will hear a case study about my client, Charles, and how he handled that conversation with his direct report. So let's start with the case study on David doing a routine one-to-one. Now, David was a senior manager. He had three direct reports. And his problem was that on his 360, which is a feedback assessment that he sent out to multiple people, and those come back with anonymous feedback. For those of you who don't know what that is or who have never had one, these are really good tools to use. I use them in coaching all the time to gather feedback on how a person is performing and how they are perceived by other people. So his 360 came back and the comments by his direct reports said that he wasn't investing enough time with them. So in coaching, when I asked David about this, he was not having what I consider formal routine one-to-ones with his people. He was one of the managers who was having what I call drive-by one-to-ones. And to give you a little context on that, he was in the office, he was not remote, and all his people, his three directs were also in the office. So he was seeing them every day. And he told me that he was chatting with them daily And he was calling that a one-to-one because he felt he was having a one-to-one chat with each of his people daily. 
but these are drive-by one-to-ones and they are not true routine one-to-ones. They are not formal. And when I say formal, I mean that they were not private. So they were not held in his office. There was no planned agenda, no planned content. And the employee was not prepared to have these conversations. Now, normally in a routine one-to-one, the employee owns 100% of the content or 100% of the agenda, but that does not happen in a drive-by one-to-one. A drive-by one-to-one is just a routine chat. He was also having conversations with his team in team meetings, and he thought that was, again, sufficient. But it wasn't because that's a group environment. It's not an individual environment. So after coaching David around this, and he started to understand what the difference was between a drive-by one-to-one and a routine one-to-one. So he ended up setting up weekly 30-minute one-to-ones where his people owned the agenda, meaning it was up to them to come to the meeting bringing their challenges, their wins, insights that they had had on certain projects or around their own development. And they also brought problems that they were having, but David set the expectation that if they brought a problem, they also had to bring a potential solution, which is something that a lot of managers don't insist upon. Usually the manager finds the solution for the employee, and that's not how it should be. So really, David wore a coaching hat in his routine one-to-ones with his people. He coached them. He asked a lot of open-ended questions. And in something like this, in a routine one-to-one, either the manager or the employee can set up the series of one-to-ones. That's something the two of you can decide who sets up the series. You also want to decide on the cadence. Now, for him, it was weekly, and the cadence can be changed if necessary down the line. These meetings only get canceled by the employee. The manager needs to be available and make themselves available to the employee. So if the employee has no agenda, no issues, no challenges, no problems, it's okay for the employee to cancel the meeting. And then David communicated this whole format in advance to his team. He set the expectation. He set the guidelines. He let them know how they could handle the one-to-ones. He explained that they would own the agenda. So it was communicated in advance. He didn't just spring this on them. And David had great success in this once he started doing it. And then he realized that what he was doing before indeed were just drive-bys. They weren't actual, formal, productive one-to-ones. So that was the first type of one-to-one. Now, if you just tuned in, I'm talking to you today about three types of one-to-ones that managers need to be having with their direct reports. We just talked about how David set up routine one-to-ones with his team and what that looked like. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll hear from a few listeners with questions, 
And then we'll hear about the type of one-to-one that involved giving feedback. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Are you ready to unlock your full potential as a leader? Look no further than MD Consulting. Monique Daniel, executive coach, best-selling author, and captivating public speaker, is here to guide you towards transformational success. With a global reach, Monique empowers executive leaders and HR professionals through engaging presentations at conferences, team-building activities, and industry gatherings. Monique's mission is clear, to revolutionize workplace behavior. She achieves this not only by coaching a diverse clientele, but also by educating corporate leaders through both virtual and in-person events. Thank you so much for being here to help us understand. As a recognized subject matter expert, Monique delves into crucial topics, such as psychological safety, onboarding strategies, effective training methods, and mastering time management skills. Now for a great topic that we're going to delve into. Ready to learn more? Request Monique's Speaker One Sheet or secure her for an engaging speaking engagement by sending an email to monique at mdconsultingglobal.com. Don't miss this opportunity to elevate your leadership journey with Monique Daniel and MD Consulting. Unleash your potential today. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com or email monique at mdconsultingglobal.com to take the next step towards transformative leadership. MD Consulting, where success begins. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at monique at mdconsultingglobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. If you've tuned in a little late, we're talking about the types of one-to-ones that managers should be having with their direct reports. Now, before break, you heard about how my client David structured what we call routine one-to-ones with his team. Now I'm going to answer a few questions that listeners have sent in, and then we'll look at how my client Shelly handled one-to-ones that involved giving feedback. So John writes in, I'm one of those managers who doesn't have time for one-to-ones. I've got seven directs and no time for weekly one-to-ones. All right, so my response to John is that, first of all, John or anyone in John's position needs to look at time management and delegation. So many times managers will tell me they don't have time for this or that, but when we dig deeper, it's because they're not properly managing their time and they're not delegating. So first, look at that, and I have a lot of content on that. And then my my thought would be that the cadence of those one-to-ones can be set further out. Now, in the previous segment, you heard my client was having weekly one-to-ones, that that's the cadence that he set up once I coached him. It doesn't have to be weekly. 
You can set the cadence further out, meaning you can do bi-weekly one-to-ones, especially if you do have a lot of direct reports. And also, there may be some direct reports that need one-to-ones a little more often, like if they are newer to the team. And maybe some of your more seasoned directs don't need to meet with you weekly and maybe not even bi-weekly. Some of them may be able to be okay with once a month. You really have to work this out with each member of your team. But the point is that you need to be really intentional about it and really think about it. So that would be my response to John or anyone in John's situation. Now, Beverly wrote in, I can't see my people owning their one-to-ones. They rely too much on me. So my response to Beverly is that, uh, or anyone else in the same boat, you'll need to help your people make that shift. Most people, most direct reports are used to their managers owning everything and solving everything for them. You need to shift them out of that mindset. So you need to coach them around that. You need to communicate the expectation to them. It may not happen overnight. It may take a couple of one-to-ones before they really understand what you mean by they have to bring the agenda to the meeting. They can cancel the meeting if they want to. So the ownership is usually a pretty standard competence in any company. You've got to teach your people how to take ownership. And it can start by them taking ownership of their own one-to-one. And usually they are rated on these types of behaviors for their performance evaluation. So you might need to remind them of that if they push back when you tell them that you need them to take ownership. You need to remind them of that when you're communicating your expectations and give them a little bit of leeway over the first few meetings so that they can get the hang of it. But you can also have them submit an agenda to you in advance of each one-to-one. And that forces them to plan ahead and it helps them to learn to take ownership. It helps them to think it through first. So those are a couple of suggestions for anyone in Beverly's situation. All right, let's look at the second type of one-to-one. Now, this is a case study concerning my client, Shelly. She had to give a feedback conversation. So she was very bad at giving feedback. This was the way she described it to me, that she was not good at it. She didn't like doing it. So she rarely did it. And this type of one-to-one is 100% owned by the manager. And you'll see what I mean by that as we talk through this case study. So her situation was she was dealing with John, who was a project manager. He had been with the company for six years. Normally, he was a really high performer. But for the past six months, he was missing deadlines. He was not keeping meetings on track. He was unorganized and dropping the ball on really important project tasks. So projects were suffering and stakeholders were upset. So they went to Shelly multiple times. Now, when Shelly came to coaching with this situation, we discovered that she was very passive. She was highly empathetic and she was a people pleaser. 
she was more of a friend than a manager to her direct reports. So when it came to giving feedback, if she gave it at all, she procrastinated. She gave watered-down feedback, meaning she was not clear. And to John, she would say things like, you need to get on track or you need to get more organized. But she was not giving specific examples or specific information. She was being really vague. So John was not making any corrections because he just didn't understand what she was talking about. And many of you may be able to, you know, understand what I'm talking about here with Shelly because you also might not like to give feedback. So you might be able to relate to this. So if so, this particular case study, you'll want to listen very closely to because I'll tell you how it was resolved and then we'll break down the conversation that Shelly had so that you can understand some examples of how to give good feedback. And remember, feedback is positive and constructive. It can be both. So in coaching, I worked with Shelly to craft the feedback conversation so that she could have a one-to-one with John and give feedback. We used a strategy called bluff, bottom line, upfront. And in a moment, I'll break that down for you also so that you understand what that is. But she used bluff and she gave very specific examples of the way that John was dropping the ball. She ended the conversation with an action step because John needed to take action to correct the problem. And she used empathy, but she was already highly empathetic. So we had to really coach her here on how to use her empathy because too much empathy for her would lead her to be very passive in giving this information. But yet you want to give feedback with a certain degree of empathy. So for her, her empathy came in the form of asking questions to John to give him a chance to explain what was going on and then listening. That is another form of empathy is listening to their response. And then she stayed very neutral. I coached her on how to downplay most of her emotion, stay neutral, and give data, which came in the form of examples. So with all of those components, that was the conversation that she had with John. And it was a very good balance of data, empathy, examples, using the bluff technique. Now, the outcome of this was that she had the conversation with him And she learned some things along the way during the conversation because the empathy part of the conversation was her asking him some questions and then listening. So that's how she learned a few things about what was going on with him. And then she scheduled a follow-up conversation with John because the last part of a feedback conversation is that you want your direct report to come back to you with an action plan as to how they are going to fix the problem. And most directs cannot do that in the moment, right then and there, they need to go away and think about it and come back. So that usually requires a follow-up conversation. 
And I always recommend that the follow-up conversation be done within the next one or two days. You don't want too much time to go by before you have that follow-up conversation. So she collaborated with him basically on what was going to happen and how this action plan was going to be implemented. And she happened to notice an improvement within one month of this. And that was a huge win for her because remember, she was very passive and watered down her feedback and there was never any improvement with John. But in this case, with this type of conversation, having it really well planned out, there was improvement in a month. So I'm going to break down the conversation that she had with him so that you understand some of the components. Now, I mentioned that she used BLUFF, and that stands for bottom line up front. And BLUFF is a technique that we use to keep people from beating around the bush. We want you to be assertive in your conversations as leaders, so you need to get to the point. And many leaders, if they're nervous, they will talk too much, they will explain, they will apologize, and they'll never get to the point. So here was her bluff statement with John. She got right to the point and was very, uh, not passive, she was very assertive and not passive at all, like she normally was. So she said, John, I'd like to give you some feedback about your performance over the past six months, and then work together to make improvements. So that statement right there is not passive at all. It's very assertive. She told him exactly what she wanted to talk to him about. She gave the the dates, the timeline that this has been happening over the last six months. And then she stated that she wanted to work with him or collaborate with him to make improvements. So right there, that's saying, you know, let's figure out how to make this work. That's not saying you're going to get fired over this. So she right away put him at ease with this statement because he wasn't worried about getting fired. He knew she would work with him. He knew that she was going to talk to him about his performance over the last six months. So that was her bluff statement. And then she went on to give data examples. And this is how we really align with giving them information that's very clear. So she said on on May 10th, you missed a deadline. The meeting you conducted on June 2nd ended with no actionable steps for the group. They were really confused. And her third point of data was that one of the stakeholders, and she gave the name, emailed you two weeks ago, and she gave the date, and is still waiting for a response. And then she went on to say, I have some other examples, but wanted to first ask if everything's okay. So that was a question that she asked, showing empathy. And she said, how do you think your performance has been lately? So that was an open-ended question. And then she listened. And then she said, I would like to support you here. What do you need from me to turn this around? So this was another open-ended question. Now, she ended the conversation letting John know that he needs to own this and come up with the solution. So she scheduled a follow-up meeting. And his solution was very easy for him because she gave him three very specific examples. So from missing deadlines 
he realized he was not referencing or updating the project plan. So he was going to begin doing that. And regarding missing the, uh, uh, leaving the meetings with no actionable steps for the group, he realized that he needed to have an agenda and minutes listing the action steps for the group. And then regarding an email that fell through the cracks, he decided he would flag emails that are urgent or important. That way he could answer them quickly. So he was able to come up with a really good action plan because she was very specific when she gave him the feedback. So you want to use this type of one-to-one as soon as there is feedback to give to someone. You don't want to wait too long. And you can use the same formula for positive feedback. Now, what I don't recommend is combining positive and constructive feedback into the same one-to-one. Because remember, the manager owns the feedback meeting 100%. So you don't want to turn this into a mix between a routine one-to-one with positive feedback and a feedback one-to-one with negative feedback. You want to keep them separate. It's very important to do that. So this was the second type of one-to-one conversation. And this shows you how it's very different from the routine one-to-one. So it's separate conversations. And it also walked you through the bluff statement, how to use the technique of bluff. You've been listening to Leading with Intention on the Voice America Business Channel. Today's episode is about the different types of one-to-ones that leaders should have with their directs. I've just taken you through Shelly's feedback conversation with her direct so that you could hear the practical steps she took. Now, there's one more type of one-to-one that managers should be having, and you'll hear about that when we come back from a quick break. I'll also answer a few more questions from listeners after that break. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. At MD Consulting, Executive Coach Monique Daigneault provides executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device. 
including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. You're hearing about one-to-ones today and why it's so important to have them with your direct reports. We've covered the routine one-to-one and the feedback one-to-one. Now, the third one-to-one is the career conversation. But before we delve into that, I'd like to address managing behavior. And then we're going to hear from some listeners with questions. So managing behavior during a one-to-one is very important, especially during the feedback conversation. So I want to spend just a few minutes talking about that because you may have direct reports that could get defensive, combative, argumentative, any number of things they might cry. And this is a really legitimate concern that managers have. And it's one of the reasons why they don't like to give feedback is because they worry about how their direct report will respond. So it's very important to prepare yourself for that. And in coaching, I coach and prep my clients before they go into these feedback conversations. And we try to think ahead of time as to how that employee might react. And it's very important for the manager to stay really grounded, no matter how the employee reacts. So I have my clients go through some exercises about how to stay grounded, how to not feel guilty for the way the employee reacts and how to stick to the facts of the conversation, which is the data. It's the examples that you're giving during the conversation. So if an employee becomes irate, first of all, you have the right to end the conversation because no employee should be treating you in a verbally abusive way or any other way. They should not be treating you in an unprofessional way. So you need to know your boundaries in advance and If you see that coming during the conversation, you need to end the conversation and then restart it at another time in the near future. But otherwise, you continue to refer back to the examples. And then if the employee is visibly upset, you can always end the conversation so that they can gather their thoughts and come back to you. So there's important reasons why you should think about this ahead of time and prepare yourself. Okay, let's move on to some questions from listeners. So Dawn has asked, what if you have the feedback conversation, but the behavior continues? Okay, so she's referring to the behavior that you're addressing in the feedback. If it continues, it doesn't change. So first of all, you keep giving the feedback. It's another feedback conversation. You may have new examples, new data, and if, if 
there's still no change. At some point, you need to follow your company's protocol or their escalation process. That could mean a write-up. It could mean a PIP. It, it depends on your company, but you need to continue to give the feedback. You don't let it slide just because it continues. Now, William writes in, using the bluff technique, what's an easy way to come up with that bluff statement? I tend to be really long-winded. So my response to that is planning. You have to think in advance about why you're even having the meeting and you need to write it out. Don't keep it in your head. You need to write it out and take out all the fluffy words that make you seem long-winded. All these conversations need to be planned. Okay. Let's move on to the third and final type of one-to-one, which is the career conversation. Now, this is a case study with Charles. And if you recall, the career conversation is owned 80-20. So 80% by the employee and 20% by the manager. Now, Charles was director with six direct reports. The company had a really lax policy about career conversations. So none of Charles' people had had any career goals because Charles wasn't having career conversations with them. So in this situation, Charles found that he was the one, if a career conversation was going to happen, he was the one that would be initiating it or bringing it up with his directs. And he didn't know how to do this. He didn't have any formal way to do it. So he felt like he wasn't giving them any direction because he wanted to have these conversations. He just didn't know how. But he did want to get them groomed for promotions. So when I coached him, what we had him do, he began to set up monthly career conversations. So once a month with each of his directs. Now, career conversations can be quarterly or monthly. I personally think weekly is too often because remember, you want to have your routine one-to-ones more often than your career conversations. If they are monthly, they can replace one of the routine one-to-ones. So if you're doing routine one-to-ones four times a month, you can do your routine one-to-ones three times a month. And then once a month, it can be a career conversation. And the employee owns this 80%, 80% of it. So the manager's percent of ownership is 20%. And here's how this worked. Charles used the IDP tool as a structure for the career conversation. And this was available to, he was available to remove obstacles that might come up in the IDP. Now, the IDP tool is something that I've talked about before in my episodes, and I will be doing a full episode on the IDP in the near future because it's a tr- it's a tool to use to help develop your employees and get them ready for promotions. So I worked with Charles to set up the IDP, and he learned how to use it. And then that became the structure for his career conversations that he was having once a month. Now he furnished the IDP to his people, but he 
completed it himself first as an example for his people. So he and I did his own IDP for himself. And then he had this example to show to his people. He set the expectation for theirs to be complete in draft format for the first career conversation. So he communicated that expectation to them. And then they presented and explained their IDP to him in the first career conversation. And he gave them feedback about it. And then in all of the future career conversations that were happening once a month, they would come to the meeting with their IDP and they would give him updates on how they were doing, on their career goals, things that they had achieved. So they would update the IDP and present it to him each time. So that's why I say the employee owns 80% of this because the employee is tasked with filling it out, putting thought into it, putting thought into their career goals, figuring out how they're going to achieve them. What steps do they need to take? What is the time frame for them to complete these goals? And if you have never seen an IDP template, it's very structured. At least the one that I use in coaching is very structured. And it has a number of columns and rows and categories where employees have to drill down into their goals and create an action plan as to how they're going to achieve those career goals. So they own 80% of this conversation because they're bringing it to their manager. And then their manager is listening, giving feedback. Sometimes it's a collaborative effort where the manager might say, well, there's another step you could take toward this goal. What do you think about this? And the employee might add that in. So it's a two-way conversation, but the employee really is the one driving the meeting. And I really feel that employees rely too much on their manager to grow the career of the direct report. I think the employee needs to take control of their own career growth and the manager should be there to help them, support them, break down roadblocks that they're coming up against. So that's the 20% that the manager owns of this meeting. So with a solid IDP, Charles then could advocate for his people for promotions when it came to promotion time, because he had solid proof that his people were working toward their goals. They were trying to upskill themselves. They were taking on stretch projects. And he had that documented because he had their IDP that he could present if needed as a business case for promotions. So in this case, the career conversations were happening once a month with his six direct reports. Now, if you have more direct reports than that, you don't have to do it once a month. Like I said, it could be done quarterly. This is something, again, you have to be intentional about. You have to put thought into it. And that way, it's not just random. Now, if it's done quarterly, 
you can do this a few ways. If you're using the IDP and you want to touch base maybe more than quarterly, but you don't have time to schedule monthly meetings, you could have your employees submit their updated IDPs to you maybe every six weeks. And that way you can glance through it and maybe get a summary from them as to what their progress has been. And then have the formal career conversation quarterly. So there's a lot of ways you can do this. This is just a general structure, but you have to modify it based on your needs, your team, the protocol of your company. Some companies are getting much, much better now at having their career conversations every month. Some companies are actually putting that into play and their managers are doing it monthly, which I think is a great idea. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode about the various types of one-to-ones and how to set those up. I invite you to keep listening each week as we bring you informative content to help you lead better. And also keep emailing in your questions so I can answer them on the air because many other people probably have the exact same questions. And by emailing in and having me answer on the air, you're really helping everybody out. So I thank you for that. For those of you who have sent questions in, I would also like to invite you to my website at mdconsultingglobal.com. And there you can click on the radio show page of the site and you can hear past episodes. You can download all the tools that I use on the show so that you'll have them for yourself. And also, while you're on the website, I'd like to invite you to register for my blog. That comes out twice a month. So lots of great content there regarding leadership. And you can also connect with me on social media. So all my social media handles are there on the website. And I would love to have you following me and keeping up with what I'm doing. There's going to be a lot more exciting news coming in the next few weeks So you'll be hearing about it here on this show and also on social media if you're connected to me. So please definitely do that. If you have specific topics you want me to address on the show regarding leadership, I'm happy to do that. So please email me at monique at mdconsultingglobal.com. You've been listening to Leading with Intention on the Voice America Business Channel. It's been great talking to you today with another topic that I hope has been really helpful. We'll talk again next week. And until then, don't forget to lead with intention. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Leading with Intention. Our intention is that you walk away from this show today with new tools, techniques, and insights that help you lead more effectively and have greater impact within your company. Until we talk again, have a great week.